Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. We have a very important episode to do today. And because of that, we have a very important guest. We've brought in the big, big guns. We have Carrie Church, the backyard professor. How are you, Carrie? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking me to be on your show. This will be fun. This will, I think fun might be an understatement. We cannot think of anyone else that we would like to delve into this topic of today's episode with. Now, I asked Carrie if, I mean, he's basically a man that needs no introduction, but I asked him if he could send me a bio and he basically sort of sent me a sort of bio. Why don't you read it very quickly, Landon, in case there's anyone in the stratosphere who doesn't know who the backyard professor is. Yeah, I, th I think this uh, bio more uh, describes Carrie's personality than Carrie. <laughs> so he said, uh, he's born and raised Mormon. I helped found fair when the internet came along. I was with them for several years, went AWOL and showed back up recently. Only this time I came back on the right side. <laughs> it almost sounds like a movie trailer, right? If you read it in a movie trailer voice <laughs> on the right side. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are going to have fun today. We are absolutely thrilled to have Carrie here. And when you understand what our topic is, you'll see why Carrie's perfect because he is somebody that has been on both sides of this situation that we're going to discuss. So it's absolutely perfect. So thank you again, Carrie. We cannot wait to dive in. So we're gonna let Landon kind of take it away from here and tell us uh, what we're talking about and why. Yeah, we're today we're gonna talk about a new website. Uh, it's a website that just came out within the last month. It's called Answering LDS Critics. And when we saw this website and some of the articles that were on it, we just said, we've got to do something on this uh, because it is just so true of apologetic research, of apologetic excuses, uh, and their ability to say, oh, all the problems in the church are uh, related to the critics of the church. It's, it's not that the church is doing anything wrong, it's that the, that the, the critics are. And so they made, a, they made a website specifically to answer the criticism that they're getting from the uh, podcast community, from the post-Mormon community, from the post-Mormon thought leaders. Um, in fact, this is their actual dev, uh, mission statement or, or their uh, reason for creating the new site. They said the LDS church has faced accusations about its history and practices for years, but amplified recently by the internet. What motivates LDS critics? Do they seek to help people find Jesus Christ or distort the truth for financial gain? Are they intentionally sowing doubt to profit from shaken faith? This website investigates the strategies and motives of these critics, empowering you to challenge their claims and strengthen your testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so with the rollout of this, they produced uh, their first, uh, I guess you'd say their first article. And first this article. is their first article. I'd like to ask Carrie out of the gate, what do you think of that mission statement right out the door? <laughs> I I honestly think that mission statement is silly. And the reason why is it's not us who are causing faith to be lost. It's not us critics. If the church were truthful, faith wouldn't be able to be lost. 
That's my first impression. I love that. It's like truth is a lion, set it free, and it will defend itself. No website needed. <laughs> I thought of a statement today while I was driving at work, and it goes something like this. Truth, oh, how did I put that? If truth is not your ally, then it is your enemy. Ah, <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I love that. Let's sell t-shirts. Oops. We'll get into that later, won't we? Uh-oh. Careful. We're looking for the money. Careful. We're looking for the money. That's right. Well, that's exactly what they said with their first article is they, they went right after the critic because obviously you don't go after the truth. You go you go straight to the, to, to the uh, truth teller. Uh, you attack the, the person that is giving the message. And so they created this great uh, headline, the more faith they shake, the more money they make. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, no, Kerry had a great thought on that when he heard it, just off at the top of his head. Go, what do you tell everybody, Kerry? He's laughing oh, too hard. <laughs> okay, let's, let's turn that statement around then. LDS Apologetics. The more faith they make, the more money they take. There it is. And I mean, that that's a reversible concept right there. Absolutely. And if you're going to say one, you got to say the other. So if, so if one side's making money and that's evil, then the other side making money has got to be just as evil as far as I can see. Uh, well said. Definitely. Okay. And just to... I was going to say, just to kind of explain, this website is going to cover all kinds of different apologetics. There are tabs all over it to different topics that you would expect. But this is their first published article right on the first page. They're going to take on critics that make money off of faith crises. That's the first thing, the most important thing at the launch of this website that they are going to take down. And 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 we'll say right from the start, we encourage anyone to go look at this website and read the articles that they've written and then compare those to the articles that you're seeing by the by what they like to call the critics. We like to call, uh, you know, post-Mormon thought leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, go and look at the information put out on, on the various websites, the various podcasts, and compare it to their answers and make a choice. We're not afraid of that. If in the end you think that the information they're putting out is correct and true, all, by all means, follow it. We're simply saying we're not afraid to have our our cause challenged uh, and, and vice versa. Why are, why are they afraid to have theirs? Well so said. we're going to jump into this. It's not a very long article, so we're actually going to read the article and then we'll go back and forth and we'll comment on the article as we go. So uh, we'll start out. Carrie, do you mind reading this? Uh, this is right out. This is their first paragraph. And the chart here is also one of the charts that they produced. Um, so you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah. Mormon Stories Foundation. Mormon Stories Foundation, a.k.a. Open Stories, is one of the most prominent of LDS critics. Uh, they're already wrong. It's not one of the most prominent. It is the most prominent. Yes, absolutely. There are over 1,600 videos from that organization alone on YouTube comprising over 60 million views. 
Mormon Stories is a nonprofit organization called a 501c3. The U.S. government requires nonprofit organizations to file an IRS Form 990 every year, which is made available to the general public unless you're the Mormon Church. Oh, whoops. No, that wasn't it. The IRS. Terry's adding his own comment. That was added. (laughs) Sorry, that's my comment. (laughs) Sorry. No, I'm not. But the IRS 990s contain important information, including the entity's total contributions and salaries. Mormon Stories 990s are available from 2013 to 2020. First, let's look at Mormon Stories IRS reporting for 2020. Okay, and this table off to the left is an extract from the uh, IRS uh, Form 990 for Mormon Stories. Um, the Which circle- they have published on their website. Let's make that clear. Yes. In this article, on this website, they have pulled down the financials for Open Stories Foundation, and they are delving in and dissecting them for everyone to see. They are going to dig into these financials, and they're going to tell us why them making money is a it leads to the distortion of truth in the church and why it leads them to be able to lie to you uh, with the information that they give to make these huge dollar figures that they're bringing in uh, according to the uh, according to their article so that the red circle here this is actually their red circle they 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 put this on here uh and so what they're showing is that total revenue in 2020 for uh, Mormon Stories uh, was $511,000. That's total of all their contributions. That would be from any YouTube money that they made. Uh, That's their total revenue. Of that, they had $390,000 in expenses and their net income was $120,000 that they uh, basically netted, which because they're a nonprofit then goes back, can go back into the business to, you know, buy additional or to, to grow the business. The thing that they really want to point out to you here is the executive compensation. They make a huge deal out of the fact that the executive compensation totaled 55% of the uh, of the overall uh, revenues for the company, and this somehow is you know the devil's tool uh, for leading all people into a- apostasy. So we'll go ahead. We'll go to the next uh, slide here, and and uh, we'll. Uh, have Rebecca read that one. Okay, and I'm going to read off my mimeographed copy, so I don't. <laughs> true librarian. <laughs> the slide is so small. That's right. I'm a true librarian. That's it. Okay, so this is called Mormon Stories Revenue, and it says you can see that Mormon Stories is reporting five hundred and eleven thousand one hundred and seventeen in contributions for 2020. Contributions from prior years are listed below. The average growth rate over seven years in contributions was a whopping, that's their word, whopping 22.9%. If we apply that rate to estimate revenue for 2023, the contributions total around $949,000. Even if we just use the last reported percent increase of 10.1%, their contributions would still total nearly $700,000 in 2023. Mormon stories may suggest that this donated money is going to help people deal with their faith crises, but more than half goes to the CEO, see below, it says. <laughs> also based on their website homepage, Mormon stories helps, and that's in quotes, helps people by introducing them to other videos to 
again in quotes, help the person know they are not alone, close quote, <laughs> in their faith crisis, which increases revenue, offer conferences, which increases revenue, and offer one-on-one -on -one coaching, which increases revenue. There you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the next slide, which is is really the same slide here. Uh, but in this case, this is uh, has been I've highlighted the sentences that I want to key in on, and then I've circled uh, some of this information here. Um, so first of all, you'll notice that this is typical. Uh, they're they're going right to the heart of what apologetics do, and that is they completely distort the truth. So he says. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know that we've got $511,000. We have the 2020 Form 990 that says exactly how much they made. But they don't have the 2021, 2022, 2023. So they decide that they're going to use a seven-year rolling average, determine that they grew at 22.9%, and say, we can say pretty confidently that Mormon Stories is now revenuing $949,000. They didn't get that number from anywhere. They're just ex extrapolating that number from the 22.9% growth. No, they said whopping. I think a whopping, whopping is an actual increment of increase. Whopping. I think it's a real measure of finance. That That is correct. Uh, and, and, you know, if it's a stock, you might be able to say, oh, we're using a rolling year average to determine stock, uh, you know, how it's going to perform over time. But we all know that you can't look at a stock at its peak and then say, oh, it's always going to keep going at that same rate. First of all, Mormon Stories was one of the original uh, Mormon apologist uh, podcasts. In fact, it was an apologist podcast when it started. And then it became a, crit became a critical uh, podcast later as, as truth began to roll out. Um, and they started rolling that out. So there's a couple things to notice here. Um, on that. First of all, you'll notice that three of those years that they quote had 29.6, 67.9, and 36.7% growth. So for three years, they had whopping growth. I guess you could call it whopping growth, 67% growth. But the other years, 14, 5.6, minus 3.3, 10.1. And the last three years up to that point was 5.6, minus 3.3, and 10.1 which is, if you average that out, would be single-digit growth. And so if you ex extrapolated from there, you'd get much less than 900,000. You you know, they used, they they even said, well, if we use the 10.1, we're at 770,000. But there's no indication that it necessarily grew at 10.1 either. So why not just use the 2020 numbers for your argument? Why are you extrapolating, trying to make it seem like they made way more money than they did, or that we know that they did? They're they have no, they're not basing this on fact. They're basing it on an extrapolation that they used via math using years that clearly saw the greatest growth in this because, and we'll talk about it in a minute, why those might be. They attribute I feel it, like I feel like it's similar to membership numbers. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. That they keep growing and then they change how they account for them to show I, that they're growing. I feel like that's just how they do their accounting and that's what they're doing here, so- and that, that's why I say here, even if we, you know, they say, even if we use the reported 10.1%, the last one, it would be worth 700,000 in 2023. So they're, they're really growing this, trying to show that it's huge numbers, but these may not be actual numbers. It may have declined 5.6% in 
And really, the number might be 400,000. We don't know. We don't have the return. So why, why are we trying to guess? Let's just stick with the numbers that we do have. Um, he also, uh, he says that Mormon stories suggest that uh, this donated money is going to help people deal with their face crisis, but more than half goes to, this, to the CEO. Um, he goes on to say that they're producing videos, they're producing conferences, they're having one-on-one -on -one, uh, counseling sessions, and all of this makes them money because they're producing this stuff. So evidently, the church is allowed to have a general conference, a state conference, a ward conference, youth conference. They have every conference in the world. They have summer youth camps. They can have all of these to build community, to help their members. But when someone has a faith crisis and can't get help from the church and they go looking for another community, evidently they're not allowed to do that through conferences or through counseling, like you might go to a bishop and get one-on-one -on -one counseling. You're not allowed to go to anybody and have one-on-one -on -one counseling. You're, uh, you're not allowed to do any of these things as a post-Mormon, because if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're stealing from these people. You're taking advantage of their faith crisis right. to make money. Meanwhile, the church is calling you into tithing settlement, asking you if you've paid your 10%, so that you can go to their conferences and their temples and be called as a bishop and have the one-on-one -on -one counseling that they provide. So I see absolutely zero difference here, yet they're using this as a bad thing that 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 there's a group out there of podcasters, of post-Mormon thought leaders who have seen a need, they've seen a hurting community, and they've built conferences, they've built counseling, They've built communities that people that are hurting that have been cast out of their community can go to, and yet they want to say that that doesn't help people. It only helps people if you're inside the church. Well, and I'd also like to point out that you can get all of those resources without paying a single dime because you can watch any video, it, you can you can get advice. I mean, everything is for free. Like, for example, Carrie and his wonderful podcast, people can donate to him. But if you don't, you can still watch all the wonderful co content that's out there. What do you think, Carrie, on this slide? I, I think, quite frankly, that the <clears throat> the post-Mormon uh, communities thrive. <laughs> Ironically, I, yes. <laughs> yes, and I say that deliberately because that's one of those conferences that we all love to attend. And it is spreading. So... This, this theme is just, it gives me the appearance of ad hominem and sour grapes. They can't defeat us on the arguments, so they complain we're making too much money, as if that's a bad thing. I honestly don't see that as a bad thing. Uh if they wish it to be a bad thing, that's their approach. From our approach, you're welcome to donate to us as much as you want. You're also welcome to not donate to us as much as you want. But we are still going to keep producing quality, good, open context 
productions where we include the parts that the church has left out. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well pretty. said. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I, I want to point out, he makes this sound as if Mormon stories is the one who's making uh, the growth of this, uh, of this fund. And I want to point out that the three years that they happen to point out as the biggest growth, it doesn't appear that it's what the post-Mormons are doing that's driving the giving. Uh, I would argue that it's what the Mormon church is doing that's driving the giving to the post-Mormon world. If you look at what happened over these time frames, you look at the giving in 2013, 2014, that's when the release of the gospel topics essays came out. Now they rolled those out over, you know, one or two years and it, they hit them. So it took a while for people to even know they were there and to start reading them and for the word to get around. But it was right around that 2015 time frame when people really started catching on to these gospel topics essays going, what's going on here? This isn't the church that I grew up in and started having the faith crises that we see happen. Look at that jump in the percentages. And my suspicion, if I may briefly add, the first response to those gospel topic essays from the Mormon people on the internet, the first response was, Oh my gosh, you guys, the anti-Mormons have hacked the church's website. We have to warn right. them. There are essays on polygamy and the blacks and the priesthood and the book of Abraham and the book of Mormon translation. And they are anti-Mormons. They are destroying the church's image. We have to warn the church. Now, honestly, what does that tell us? I, I 100%. It tells us a lot. <laughs> and we also know that people got in trouble um, from leadership for using those essays that they found on the church's site in their uh, lessons and discussions. They No one knew they were there. And as they started to trickle out, people were horrified, as you said. So I think that could have something to do with the growth there. There's this sense in this whole article that everyone is just sitting innocently in the pew until a post-Mormon thought leader somehow reaches in, yanks them out, and then demands money and shakes their testimony. I would make another argument. Um, having run the Good Book Club for three years, talking to probably well over 100 people that have left, um, I've never run into anybody that didn't find somebody at church that caused questions, something they could not get an answer to, had a negative experience trying to get answers, and then finally went outside of the church construct to look for an answer. I've never run into anybody that came across something and went the other direction. So, but those yeah. are just the people I talked to. So interesting, the perspective here. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Have we finished this one? Yeah. So, the, well, the next one is the, uh, the, that they tend to bring up is that John DeLynn was excommunicated in 2015. And it, and he's obviously the biggest uh, thought leader and, and the leader of Mormon stories that they're talking about. And they make it sound as if, you know, he was excommunicated so that he could draw these people and make money off of his off of his website. And that's why he was excommunicated. Uh, but it should be pointed out. ploy. <laughs> yeah. So, what, boy, he's smarter than we give him credit for, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we, we need to point out that John DeLynn, first off, started as an apologist. His, his, he started a, 
a podcast that was apologetic, favorable to the church. He was trying to help people who had faith crises stay in the church. That's how I actually ran into him was when I was having doubts. I was looking for, okay, I've got doubts. I don't know that I believe all this, but my family's in the church. How do I stay in the church? And I found articles by John DeLynn. And then like a couple of weeks later, he's excommunicated. <laughs> and these were articles that were apologetic, that were helping you to have doubts and still remain in. That was truly the historicity problem that the church had. But then yes, in 2015, sir. they introduced the social issue. And that was the November 2015 policy where, you know, where children of uh, uh, anyone who was a homosexual that was living with another partner could not be baptized, could not progress in the priesthood, uh, and couldn't enjoy any of the blessings. And that social issue really caused a lot of people to to turn away from the church. There was mass uh, resignations from the church. And all of that happened in November 2015. So if you look at this graph, you know, 2016, 2017, those were the big years. Those were where the the money giving really good. They repealed that policy in 2018. And what do you see? The numbers come down. Yep, they come down. Oh, right. Landon, that is a terrific find. Look at that. So was it John Lynn and the podcasters causing the problem, or was it yeah. the church's own policies that were driving people away from the church? Uh, you know, it's hard to say just from those numbers, but you can make an argument that it's the church's policies that are driving people away from the church. Because Mormon stories wasn't doing anything differently that would have mm. accounted for a 60-something percent increase. Uh, no. It was what the church was doing that was making the difference there. It was the catalyst, and then they were addressing those things, and people had to go elsewhere for answers, I believe. So, oh, this is an interesting slide, too, isn't it, Landon? Yeah. You, uh, Let's go through this one. I you think it's Carrie's one? turn to read. Oh, Carrie, <laughs> you want to go ahead and read that? Um, yes, Mormon stories, CEO salary. Mormon Stories CEO made a shrewd decision in establishing the organization as a nonprofit. This label implies that no one is personally profiting from proceeds or donations, but the reality is the board of directors of a nonprofit entity may grant the CEO a raise if they so choose. In the case of Mormon Stories, the CEO received a raise in six out of seven years between 2013 to 2020, and in 2018, his salary nearly doubled. The IRS 990 reports indicate that the CEO of Mormon Story's salary increased from 89,000 to 20 in 2013 to 215,000 in 2020. It is unlikely that donors realize that more than 50% of their donations goes into the CEO's pocket. On 2-27-2022, the Salt Lake Tribune did a story on the Mormon Story's CEO and his salary. Two interesting quotes from that report. Yearly revenues jumped by 67% in the aftermath of Mormon Stories podcaster, CEO name, 2015 excommunication from the LDS Church, tax form show, CEO's name, 
annual compensation ballooned by more than 700%, according to nonprofit tax reports, swelling from 27429 in 2010 to $236,021 in 2019. That six-figure salary made up 60% of the group's total earnings from donors and podcast revenues. The fact is, this nonprofit business has been extremely profitable for the CEO of Mormon Stories. His business is literally destroying wonderful members' faith for money and leaving trauma, strained family relationships, and heartache in its wake. It's a numbers game for Mormon critics. The more faith they shake the more money they make and that that bold is theirs not not mine and so yeah. uh, okay. again i'm going i'm going to this slide and we're gonna we're gonna hit some of these uh some of these things the first the thing you noticed was he said the mormon ceo made a shrewd decision to set up as a nonprofit organization doesn't uh, the church do that the church itself is a nonprofit organization <laughs> Every one of the apologetics website is a nonprofit organization. The Boy Scouts of America is a nonprofit organization. <laughs> the Red Cross is a nonprofit organization. Right. But in this case, it's shrewd. It's shrewd. Evil. Oh, yeah, shrewd. So the, the, the church is shrewdly set up not only as a nonprofit, but as a religious nonprofit where they don't even have to report anything uh, of their finances of their $100 billion investment fund. Uh, so they say that nonprofit means that you're that nobody makes any uh, that that nobody personally benefits from it. But it doesn't say that you can't have a salary, and that's exactly what this is. It's a salary, and many nonprofit organizations have highly paid CEOs. The Boy Scouts of America, their CEO uh, makes it's it's uh, eight hundred thousand, maybe even more than that, because successful high paying CEOs bring in large donations. And so they're looking for people who have influence, who can bring in large donations. And when they find someone who can make a large donation, they pay them a salary that keeps them there to bring in the donations. And as a result, you get better content, a better organization. And that's exactly what you see. The pe you, you see that the people with the highest paid uh, people are gonna produce the best quality content. And that's what you get with Mormon stories. You're getting the highest quality content because you have someone who's working full time on it. Somebody who uh, can afford to fly somebody in to be a guest to answer questions. They can call on big names as, as Rebecca's learned uh, working with Mormon <laughs> stories as running their book club. Uh, she, she doesn't get paid for it, but she knows that she can pull in big name authors because John DeLynn has a big audience and Mormon Stories has a big audience and you can pull in big name authors to, to come and address people. So that's not a bad thing to have a paid CEO with a reasonable salary. Uh, the, the one thing I noticed in there, you know, they started off in 2013 saying, you know, he made 89K. Now, how many CEOs, if they made 89K, would you say, woo, that guy is raking, he's milking everybody. <laughs> I mean, 89K for a CEO is peanuts. Um, that is not a, a CEO salary. And when you go down to the Salt Lake Tribune article, you see that 
his salary, they talk about it swelling. It swelled from $27,000. Would you consider $27,000 a CEO <laughs> compensation? No, he started at 27,000 because he built the organization. He took from it from zero up. views to 60 million views. He starved, he went hungry for years to make this grow. And now he's finally making up for it with a salary in the in the two hundred thousand dollar range, which he worked for Microsoft and was probably in that range when he left there to become a psychologist. So, uh, for a CEO that's working full time to earn uh, 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 an income, most of this not from donors. Sixty million views on YouTube brings in a lot of that money. So a lot of it is simply from the content that he produced. And then part of it's from the donations that he got. Uh, so uh, the average salary for a startup CEO in the U.S. in 2020, I looked it up, was $142,000. So half the time, John Dillon was way below that. Part of the time, he was above that. He's right about where he should be for a startup CEO of an organization. There is nothing wrong with this salary. And, and this last, you know, this last one here, you know, extremely profitable. We saw that the you know, $215,000 for a salary is enough for someone to sell their soul, evidently, but $200 billion for a church organization is not considered extremely profitable. Uh, oh, well said, my brother. Holy cow, that's a good point. Yowzer. Rebecca, what do you think of that last sentence? What, what? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. I just, you know, that whole idea, I can't, now I can't read it because I don't have a bit wonderful members faith. Again, people are not sitting in the pews. Suddenly they feel this pull to go out onto the internet. No, they're sitting there and they have questions like you, Landon, you read something in a church manual in the scriptures itself that started you thinking with a question and you went to leader after leader for an answer and there was nothing. You searched for other people that might be able to help you or at least understand what you were going through. And you did that for years until you finally came across, you know, some websites where there were some Mormonish. answers and by answers, yeah, Mormonish, that's it. No, <laughs> we have no answers. No, but, and, and again, most of these, most of these post-Mormon thought leaders, they're just putting out information, most of it taken from sources from the church's own writings and websites and sources. Are you kidding me? You cannot say anything in the post-Mormon world without citing your source. I learned that the hard way. You can't just say something. Everybody jumps on you with pitchforks and says, what's your source? Where'd you find that out? I mean, talk about your armchair scholars. Everybody is. And the other part of that sentence down there that bothers me is where it talks about strained family relationships and heartache and pulling families apart. I mean, like Carrie mentioned before, that is, that is not happening because people are searching for answers from questions that develop in their faith. There is nothing on the side of post-Mormons that say you cannot be with your families. That's the doctrine on the other side, that you cannot be with your family. What do you think, Carrie? Well, if if I could add another point, this actually sounds like uh, the Jeremy Reynolds situation, too. Did he not seek for answers? Yes. And the CES man promised him, oh, yes, I'll get right back with you. I will answer every one of these weak, ridiculous 
questions you have, wonderful. Yes, give me your best shot. So Jeremy did, and he never heard back from him. When he went to his bishop leaders, they turned a cold shoulder on him. And then they turned around and threatened him when he put it out on the internet. Well, if the church isn't going to answer it, what about the rest of people? Here's my other point that needs to be said. And we here in this podcast, us three together, are not seeking to denigrate the church. Mm -mm. However, who is it that's sending 60,000 to 100,000 missionaries out annually to teach the other churches to have doubts about their faith? And who's breaking up the families when the wife agrees to the doctrine and decides to want to get baptized and the husband says no, they go ahead and baptize the wife. Or if the kids, they did when I was a missionary. I've heard that somewhat changed now, so I need to update. I, I admit that. But man, that was the policy. You get those people in the water of baptism. We were baptizing 14 and 15-year-old kids with their parents' consent, but the parents did not join. We were baptizing husbands who decided, and then there was a very tragic case where we did baptize the husband. And I learned I had gotten transferred. I learned six months later that his wife divorced him because he was always Mormonizing on her. He was harped. He was telling her how glorious the church was. And all. Our efforts broke that family apart. So for these guys to say, well, John and, and the rest of us are destroying wonderful members' faith, may I ask that if our information is really this bad logically and historically and doctrinally, and if it, if it is nasty, and yet it's wrecking these people's faith, then what value is that faith? If their faith was strong, if they really did believe they had the truth in the church in the first place, they wouldn't find us all that convincing now, would they? And yet they, they wouldn't are. look for us. They, <laughs> they wouldn't, wouldn't even, even look. look for <laughs> There'd yeah. be no reason to They look. would run across an anti-Mormon site and they would immediately say, they oh, just... no, I'd rather go play a video game. Yeah. Instead, they stop and do what? They read carefully. Now, why is that if they're getting all their faith and answers from the church? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And and the problem I have with this is the strained family relationships that they, you know, people leave their faith all the time and their families don't fall apart. Uh, it happens all the time outside of Mormondom. But Mormondom teaches if you let that one out of your family, your family will no longer be sealed as a unit. You have lost part of your family. You must pull them back in at any cost. And as a as a wife, you've lost your eternal uh, companion, and therefore your whole family is at risk. And it tears your family apart when they see their husband or vice versa. You see your spouse leave the church. Excellent and that point. is their doctrine that is tearing the yeah. church apart. When one person exercises that free agency that we're taught, and says, I don't believe in that anymore, but you're not free to do that because you now destroy your family under Mormon doctrine. And, and boy, not, don't they tell you that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. They tell you that. And so it's not 
it's not the post-Mormon world that's putting the strain on the family. It's the church's doctrine that if they leave, your family is torn apart. And what's, what's making all these people look for answers in the first place that are within the church? I would propose look at Jeremy Rummel's experience. Okay. I would propose look at Brandon or Landon Brophy's experience. I would say look at my experience. Um, it's because there were no answers forthcoming. Oh, well, that's not a good, well, we've answered that, or you need to improve your faith. It was always pointed back to us as being our fault that we were losing our faith because we weren't getting any, any good answers. So, And I would say that there was a talk given recently that Mormonish covered and Carrie covered and RFM covered and Renee Steelman covered and Nemo covered, given by the church historian, where he literally said, looking or finding answers is not the answer. Now the narrative <laughs> seems to be, don't even, you have questions, forget it. You don't even look. The, looking for an answer is not the answer. There's a reason so many of us covered that. If you guys have not looked up this talk, um, it was given at a BYU-Idaho devotional a couple weeks ago. And like I said, many podcasters have covered it quite well. So, yep. Don't find those answers. All right. Do you want me to read the next yes, one, Landon? If you, could, if you could. I know. We're, we're just like, stop on it every slide. There's so much to say. Uh, is we may hit Mormon stories level. Do you think we can? <laughs> as far as time-wise, I don't know if we Absolutely. can. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, we're in it to win it here. Okay. So again, I'm reading from my paper. Um, but that's not all. Other income sources. Okay. So before we talked about uh, donations, that kind of thing, but there's more. Outside of heavily soliciting donations, heavily, um, from two different uh, YouTube channels, Mormon Stories Podcast and Understanding Mormonism, for which they get paid by YouTube for number of views. Online estimates suggest 6000 for every million views, which would be about $360,000 in revenue. Mormon Stories also charges a hefty fee for one-on-one -on -one coaching for these groups through a faith crisis. Their fee, $200 per hour, according to their website. This fee is literally to help you through a faith crisis, which they have themselves have helped cause. Can I just stop there for a minute and kind of growl? <laughs> By they, <laughs> they huge... the podcasters, not I'm the yes. or the Yes, John. Do... Well, no, I might read it that other way. That's accurate. Yeah. So they're basically saying that the podcasters have caused this crisis and now they're going to make money off it. It's a huge conflict of interest. Because they're a nonprofit, they can and do also receive grants. Uh, they also hold conferences wherein they charge attendees fees for attendance, which brings us to the critics' revenue cycle. Now, this is a very revelatory chart that we've been studying for days now, isn't it, Landon? It is, and, and we'll get to that. <laughs> I wanted to just bring up a couple of these. First off, you'll notice 360,000 of their estimate of that 581,000 then it would be, uh, uh, you know, that's John DeLynn is earning that without asking anyone. It's all from advertisers. Yeah, on that is such a good point. He is not asking people to donate. He is simply getting it through any method that anyone put content on YouTube does. And everybody gets that kind of, well, when they have those kind of views, they, they get that of kind of revenue. You are not doing anything but your job of creating great content to get now, that revenue. My views, my views are so low. I only make a dollar a month. So 
He's doing pretty good with his views. <laughs> oh, no, we can top that. We, we'd we love to have some donations, but Landon and I can't figure out how to add a donate button to our... Uh, we need to find a post-Mormon teenager to help. We literally can't figure it out. We'd love to. We've had people say, hey, we'd love to donate to you. And we're like, we'd love it too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we spend it all out of our own pocket. We have not made yeah. a dime. We've only spent money doing our... Yeah, we're just having fun. That's it. Yep. So, all right, go ahead, Len. Um, He talks about, you know, that they, that people have to get counseling, but in the LDS church, when you sin, let's say that you do something that you feel guilty about, um, something perfectly natural, uh, that, like your little factory, like what your are you little trying to factory? say, Landon, what are you trying to <laughs> <laughs> quit hinting? Dude. And you go into the Bishop and you feel guilty because you've been taught that by that organization. Yeah, and you go in and you're told that, uh, you know, you get counseling and you're told that you should refrain from the sacrament, but you should continue to pay your tithing. Uh, during this time to help you, you're paying 10% of your income to go and visit with a man to solve a problem that isn't a problem anywhere outside of religious groups. Uh, you know, playing with your little factory is perfectly normal and nobody charges you to talk about it. But in the church, you get to pay 10% and you get to go talk one-on-one -on -one with the counselor who then sends you to the LDS services for counseling for as a, as a sex addict. And in addition to 10% of your income, you get to pay $95 an hour for counseling there uh, with their counselor to overcome the very problem that they uh, instituted. And we see a lot of LDS people going to counseling. We see a lot of uh, members, spouses going to uh, counsel one-on-one -on -one with the bishop over, am I allowed to do this in the bedroom with my husband? Uh, because they they feel guilty about it or they don't feel that they can make that decision on their own. And yet they're paying 10% of their income for a problem that no one has a problem with other than the religious context from which you uh, came from. You begin to question if it's right. And so you seek counsel. And I will say everybody is a porn addict and there are many groups that charge money that you are referred to, you know, once you're labeled that many groups yeah. and so. these are grown mature adults yes. yep yes yeah. so. so we absolutely see that same thing on on the other side so this is yep. this is a ridiculous argument but let's go to the revenue cycle because this is just uh, this just makes absolutely no sense um <laughs> but uh Carrie um you want to re read this and uh we We'll describe the, the cycle here after Kerry reads this, where he kind of describes how this cycle works. <laughs> that looks like an interesting cycle, all right. Okay, LDS critics intentionally crush innocent members' faith with massive volumes of sensa Did Stephen Smoot write this? <laughs> with sensationalized videos and podcasts that contain so many half-truths, boy, they're projecting here, and so much misinformation that unsuspecting members feel betrayed by the church and feel everything they have been taught was a lie. I will testify to that. Yes. Or, no, sorry, I'm supposed to keep reading. They are understandably confused, angry, and overwhelmed. This is an act of self-appointed heroism. 
The critic runs to their rescue with compassionate, in quotes, offers of help by pushing even more videos, quotes, more money, offering conferences slash seminars, more money, and providing one-on-one coaching, more money, all the while soliciting their new recruits for donations, more money, and selling ex-Mormon products, more money. They then convince their victims they are somehow better off with gut-wrenching lost faith, strained family relationships, and the fellowship of other church members trying their best to be Christ-like. The member ultimately denounces their faith and shares their new, quote, knowledge, unquote, with others, which starts the self-perpetuating cycle all over again. You notice how, just like the church leaders, it's always our fault. They always blame everybody else, don't they? Yep, it's someone else's fault. And that's the big thing we noticed on this cycle is, you notice there's no entrance point on this thing. Uh, and for those that How are- How do you get into the cycle? <laughs> yep, you just magically appear in the cycle because they produce videos. You you sit in this cycle and that leads to all of these horrible things happening, uh, which I don't understand on the bottom, YouTube pays critics for views. Um, <laughs> Well, and I guess we should describe this for those of you, because we're we're in audio format. It's basically like a flow chart. There's no entrance or exit. It's just a circle going around with all these things that Carrie just read. And in the middle, it all leads to money for the, you know, a post-Mormon thought leader. But it's just a round and around affinity loop. Um, but there, the key thing is there's no way in. It doesn't give any indication of how anyone finds themselves if they just wake up in the cycle one day, of course, I believe the way into the cycle is you're sitting in Sunday school. You hear something unusual. You look in the gospel topics essay. You look at church materials. You ask people. You basically don't get answers, as we've discussed before. And then you go looking for something else. And, and of course, I, I disavow this entire interpretation of this cycle. <laughs> but uh, because you can find answers without any part of the cycle whatsoever. You can participate with your own free will. But yeah, they do not acknowledge any part that the church might play in putting someone into this spiral of looking for answers. And you then get on the internet and look up FAIR mm -hmm. and get your testimony blown out of the water. Now, FAIR is the organization I helped found. That's and right. they took a real bad left turn and I couldn't tolerate it. I couldn't stand how they were going. And so I dodged out. And I how many people, and without exaggeration, this has gone up into the thousands now. I've heard from hundreds of them who say, I went to fair and it destroyed my testimony. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a church uh, helped organization as well, even though it is nonprofit, as we'll see. But this, Landon said, YouTube pays critics for views. YouTube pays the church for their views too, if they've got the ad. That's That's a good point, yeah. Yep, if they've got YouTube the is non-discriminatory. If you make yeah. the content and people watch it, they will pay you. It's an algorithm. It has nothing to do with what they're making it into. And and what they don't show is that many people don't ever even get into the podcast or into this. They leave the church without participating in this cycle at all. And exactly. I know so many people that have 
In fact, we just talked to someone yesterday. They they found their way out through church-approved sources. They'd never even heard of John DeLynn. They'd never even heard, sorry, Carrie, of the Backyard Professor. There are many people like that. After the fact, usually looking for community, I find, is how they arrive at it. But they've already they've already learned all they need to learn and made the decision to step away. And, and this has nothing to do with it. There are so many, but that's not an acceptable reason to be in this cycle. And as we said, there's thousands of people who watch this and never make a donation at all. They Mm -hmm. watch it, they learn from it, and they walk away from it without ever making a donation to uh, any of these organizations. Or going to a conference or having one-on-one. Just like any organization, there's always another level. Where have we heard of another organization where there's a level that you pay more to get higher? I mean, it's just in my mind somewhere. Um, (laughs) But no, you can part. I know, I'm sorry, I'm very facetious, but of course you can participate at, at higher levels as you can in any organization if that is something that you want. But for most people, they enjoy content and they don't even donate. They might not even know that a donation would be something that's that's expected. So and, I'll be honest, I've never donated. Let's just say that. <laughs> Other than to Mormonish, all your time and money. That- well, yes, all my waking hour and every single fiber of my being, no, I, yes. I was, was going to say, listen, I've been... I've been back making videos. I mean, I made a thousand, over a thousand apologetic videos. I know the amount of work it takes. And seeing the quality of videos and materials you guys have been making, the heck you're not making any donations. Time is a donation. And I mean the effort. But in a way, though, you guys, isn't this kind of rather refreshing to be able to help people see enough information to be able to weigh the pros and cons because we know we all came from mormonism man we don't get the full picture or both sides of the picture so it's exactly it's informed consent you've got to have the information and then you can make the decision i would never hold anyone back if they learned what they learned and said you know what i'm happier doing this i would say wonderful i just would hope that people would be able to know and and hope to help people know if they'd like to take advantage of that that's now now understand that this other one over here on the right Member is emotionally impacted, feels betrayed, lied to, distances from church and God. Now, that is not, I'm here to tell you from experience, that is not us causing that feeling of betrayal. Information that we are presenting does not cause people to feel betrayed unless they're needing answers and their church hasn't provided it. Where that betrayal is coming from is we have been lied to from the church. And we've got, unfortunately, unfortunately, we have a mountain of evidence to show just that. And so, and I make a big whoop to do about my Backyard Professor Responds video. Sometimes I'll only make them two minutes long. Sometimes I'll make them two hours long. But I do and did and still do somewhat, I feel betrayed because this church being the one and only true living church on the planet should be truthful. It is a betrayal to deceive. If you want to stop we post-Mormon intellectual leaders 
from broadcasting our information, making our videos and podcasts, holding conferences, etc. You can kill us in the bud immediately by telling the truth. If the church was truthful, I wouldn't have a reason to be making my videos. I can't grasp that the church can't grasp that. You want to stop us. It's so easy. Tell the truth. And I'll, I'll, truth. I'll quit. I'll have no reason to do this. Yep. There it is. Well, yeah. Landon made his own. Uh, oh, should we show this one first? Yeah, I made my own yeah. chart. But uh, yeah, Rebecca, do you want to explain this? Yeah, I, I, I talked about the Kyle McKay um, church historian talk earlier, and it was a talk about um, not looking for answers, but he made these incredible statements during this talk, which is another reason I think a lot of podcasters wanted to talk about it, where he kept talking about there are compelling reasons to doubt despite these compelling reasons. And so today I went through and I, I went through the transcript of the talk and I just took out every place where he talked like this and it's everywhere. Compelling reasons to doubt, perplexing questions, com compelling reasons again, um, the existence of reasons to doubt, appealing, unbelievable argument. I mean, I wow. almost feel like he might be a double agent. He just said, and I would like to have been in the audience with the kids going, huh? You know, and of, of course, then he talked about none of that matters. You know, you just have to have faith and feelings. But he really made sure that all of us knew that there were mistakes and reasons to doubt and good arguments, solid arguments. It, it was just funny to read through everything. It was very interesting. So, and, and again, that speaks to how you get into that cycle. There are these reasons you look for answers and then you find maybe some outside sources. So I wow, just thought that was he said it that often, huh? That much. I guess. Yeah, did. that much. It's crazy. Yeah, it was all over the place. So yeah. we But here's our, Landon's revenue cycle. We, we I love created it. our own revenue cycle uh, that's a little different than his that shows where you come in at. And you come in up at this upper left-hand corner. Uh, which reads, member finds church promoted narrative is not true through study of church material. That leads the member to seek answers from church leaders and books. Of course, the response to that is the member is counseled to pay tithing and the member is isolated from family and friends. This leads the member into a faith crisis. The member then finds a podcast or some other source of information but when they do that, they also find community. They have lost because they've been isolated. They now find community within that podcast or within that Thrive group or within that post-Mormon group uh, that they're able to get together and find community. Book clubs. Book clubs. Book clubs. Thank you, Carrie. That That's right. That's then the member that. begins to find true answers to the questions they've been asking. And sometimes they find those answers are not the answers they thought, but they find answers. And because of that, they're grateful and they make a voluntary contribution, not based on that their family will not be together forever if they don't make the contribution, that they can't go to a wedding or any other of these uh, forced Coerced, ideas. Yeah. It's a voluntary, I want to help. These people help me. They're giving me information that I'm finding helpful. I'm going to... Uh, uh, marriage on a tightrope. I'm going to somewhere that helps my mixed faith marriage that I could not get help with in the church. And these organizations, these post-Mormon organizations are helping me and I voluntarily am contributing my money to them. 
And what you find out is that they're not contributing as much as they were because the member stops attending church. They stop paying tithing. They stop wearing their garments. And as a result, they have Sunday off. They buy a boat. They get a bikini. And they take an awesome trip to Lake Powell. And that's the cycle that we like to follow. And of course, true cycle. (laughs) Once they take the trip to Lake Powell, they're they start listening to Mormonish podcasts and then all donations stop because we don't have a donation button. Yeah, it stops there. <laughs> no matter what their intention, it's over because we don't know how to take a donation. So it's a up great at the top, cycle. Other members see the fun vacation and they begin to question. And they enter the cycle. That's <laughs> and right. Enter the I, cycle again. <laughs> I love this. This is so smart. Now, what I, I want to know is, what I want to know is, when are you two going to take me to Lake Powell? That's the one part I haven't done yet. <laughs> as soon as you get a bikini, Carrie. That's a- <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> That's where you're supposed to say, yeah, baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wow, interesting. Okay, we're we're all right. We're we're gonna. That's right. A couple of these. Yeah, let's speed up. For those of you, I was kidding about reaching a a John Delin level Mormon stories. We're gonna we're gonna keep going here. Okay, Uh, this is for Mormon critics. The shock factor sells. So it says there are hundreds of examples of videos made by Mormon stories and many others that are clearly sensationalized and intended to shock members into viewing. They can be offensive shocking or wildly inaccurate as long as people view it but they all have the same goal to keep the viewership which increases the revenue and to cause a faith crisis which also increases the revenue as david snell put it they create a doubt bomb of a thousand arrows hoping something will stick a few (laughs) examples of the thumbnails of these overly sensationalized videos and these are included on this website They don't have any of mine up there? Yeah, you didn't make the cut. You're not Uh, sensational enough, Carrie. I'm going to have to start getting sensationalized, man. you got to get sensationalized. That's right. So let's see. Uh, The Tyranny of Mormon Patriarchal Blessings. That's one. Mormonism, Electro-Shock Torture. How Mormonism Divides Families and Mormon Church Headquarters Exposed. So these are just some titles for topics that they believe... Um, are going to cause a faith crisis. And it's true that only post-Mormon community does this type of, yeah, of uh, uh, yeah. you know, shock factor selling to get uh, views on their website. You would never f- find that uh, in one of theirs. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. The more wait, faith they shake, the more money they money make. They make. Uh, nothing sensational about that. Nothing no. sensational there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, enough said about that one. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll move on. Carrie, you want to read this Moving one? on to Carrie's organization here. Let's see go. what they say. <laughs> there is another newer nonprofit organization similar to Mormon Stories called Mormon Discussions, Inc. They have only been a nonprofit for a few years, but their numbers are similar to Mormon Stories. Oh, well, that's a lie. When it was starting out, they currently have over 1,300 videos on YouTube. I'm grateful to, and I'm proud to say, 160 of those are little old me. There you so go. That's what, 160? I'm over 10%. Yeah, baby, I've contributed my tithing. 
The difference is Mormon discussions added another revenue stream of selling ex-Mormon products, some of which are extremely offensive, both on their website and on their YouTube channel. They are growing rapidly and, in fact, more than doubled their contributions from 2020 to 2021 and 20, let's see, 2021 is when I got on, so I did not contribute to that doubling, but I have contributed I have helped contribute to the tripling of subscriptions in the year and a half I've been there. I'm a part of that, just a small part. But they are there are yet other critics on YouTube that are not des designated as nonprofit organizations, but nonetheless produce large numbers of videos, and therefore we can assume YouTube revenue. They include Exmo Lex, Zelf on a Shelf, which I think is fabulous, Zelf on a Shelf. Uh, Cult of Consciousness, Nuance Ho, who is absolutely hilarious, she really is, and others. In each case, in addition to being paid for videos, they solicit donations aggressively and or sell ex-Mormon products. While some of them may have other reasons for being critics, in every case, money is certainly a contributing factor. Duh. I wonder if that's true in the Mormon church, too. Never, never. And I, when I read that one line about, um, what does it say? Extremely offensive products. I was talking to RFM today and I'm like, what do you guys have on there? What's in your store that's so offensive? And he goes, I don't know, coffee mugs. I mean, and I look through it and mostly just the, the logos. I know. I thought it was, I was like, what are you? I mean, if it doesn't have if it doesn't yeah. have Angel Moroni, it's offensive, you know. It's I mean, offensive, yeah. So I didn't see anything that, you know, of course, maybe I'm my sensibilities are tainted a little bit. But yeah, he didn't know either. He's like, coffee mugs, maybe? I don't know. I so, haven't seen anything yet. So yeah. everyone go to the Mormon discussion store and see what you can find. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's, let's get more offensive product out there. That's right. <laughs> well, I can't think of anything more offensive than what the church produces. And that is they have Deseret Management Corporation, among other for-profit organizations. It is a church that has for-profit organizations, just like it, you know, post-Mormon website. But instead of selling coffee mugs, they're selling uh, media. They're selling books at Deseret Books and all the things there. They're selling life insurance. They're selling $235 million in revenue worth of product using the Mormon church's name and having those members who will believe or who feel that they're going to be honestly treated if they join in with one of these revenue streams. And this doesn't even include the MLMs that all the Mormons join into uh, revenue stream. So there's a lot of side businesses in addition to what the right. church itself is making off of these uh things in fact Rebecca, i was thinking of garments i was thinking yeah, garments are so expensive actually compared to what else you could wear temple clothes if you rent temple clothes you go every time and you have to rent um things that you need for a mission temple dresses there's there's such you know a, a industry built up around being a mormon I mean, Ms. and Mr. I'm sure there's Mac many more. Millions, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Construction companies that, you know, there's all that, you know, theory out there about how construction companies are associated with lots of the church projects. There are people like my parents who like to go to businesses owned by LDS people. They'll only go to an LDS dentist or a doctor or a mechanic. And so you can't tell me there's not industry 
built up around the LDS handle. You know, if you see LDS on it. Hey, Landon, is this an annual income? I believe the revenue for desert management was an annual uh, revenue of two hundred. May, may I may I say something to the church? If, if you would pay me just ten percent of that one year's worth, I'll stop making videos. <laughs> we we would do it for five. <laughs> three three. I will. Now we're caving. I will write a stop contract. It, everybody. I <laughs> promise. I will write a contract, and you'll make it back where, in just a moment. Where month. is your integrity, Carrie? We've got to stay it's the course the and go for the money. I'm in it for the money. True. So We've been labeled money. as for the money. You're right. You're right. But we will That's not it. stop selling our Mormonish mugs. That's right. Our we Mormonish mug, which we do not have a merch site, which so we really can't even bought, sell them. No one has. Yeah, ourselves. we don't have a merch site. <laughs> that we is need very a offensive. That is very us. offensive <laughs> to me. That's offensive <laughs> stuff you're selling right there. Oh, that's right. Ooh. It shouldn't be Mormonish. Yeah. You're giving Satan the victory. <laughs> it should be the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints ish. Okay, right, I'll go ahead and read slide? this one. Uh, okay. we're, we're to donations, LDS critics solicitations for donations. Almost all critics channels and websites make a strong appeal for donations from their audience, claiming that the contributions can assist the members in dealing with their crisis of faith. The irony is that the doubt-inducing misinformation in their videos is usually the root cause of such crisis in the first place. Generally, the only real aid offered to the member is the production of more videos, which means additional revenue for the critic, leaving the member to deal with the trauma of lost faith and strained family relationships. Again, they keep trying to scare us with this fa strained family relationships. Don't leave the church. Don't look at these websites or you'll lose that family relationship. That's just a vague threat that they're using right here. Uh, but you look at these, you look at these $10 a month that they're asking for, you know, $5 a month. Uh, and and these are to explain to our listeners. These are donations asked for by post Mormon thought leaders. Is that right? That's and were correct. these included on the website? Which you may choose to click on or not. Right. But you did get, they put these on the website, or did you yes, add? Yes, they these? put. This is the okay. Yes, this so is this is their example of ten dollars a month. Five. These are these egregious donations that people are requesting five dollars <laughs> a month that's a whole lot less than yeah percent this of is, income per month does that say two dollars a month yeah that, a month. Yep. i'm gonna say you don't have a leg to stand on if you're gonna criticize asking for donations and what you promise to give in return no leg to stand on absolutely correct and i might point out that the answering lds critics website does have a donate button that you can donate to <laughs> no come on yes they do How they figure oh. that out <laughs> oh my god they're smarter than us that's that their arguments do carry more weight because they figured out they're the donate smarter. button that they we figured have. out the oh, donate button <laughs> okay well, that's oh man that just kills everything they're trying to do here yeah this is all ad hominem anyway they can't refute our evidences so they attack the so revenue. they attack that you're yeah. asking for a donation while they themselves are asking for a donation <laughs> yeah well from from oh. active members who are also required to pay 10 percent of their income fast on top to pay for yeah. missions and they say that they offer nothing. Garment. Goes, what does the church offer? They offer videos, one-on-one -on -one counseling, but they offer salvation, which they never have to deliver on. Yeah. They can make the promise, but they never deliver on it. And for it, they ask 10% plus your time, plus your, your mission kids. 
uh, and paying for missions and donations and fast offerings. Uh, so they have no leg to stand on this. This well, anyone who looks at this argument just has to go. It falls apart. And I would say time, time is money to them because they take your donated hours, no matter what you're doing, being cleaning a toilet or, you know, whatever you do to donate time in the church. And they turn that into an hourly salary. And then they consider that and report that as charitable giving. So if you work 10 hours at the church and they gave you a $20 an hour, you know, that's what they said you made, they would claim that they had, you know, given $200, $200 in charitable giving. So they do turn it into money. They are taking your donation because they're using your hours. So that, that should be every post-Mormon uh, website's motto. You know, we may ask for a donation, but we don't make you clean the toilets. <laughs> I love it. Let's make it ours right now. Very Although I do good. need someone to clean my toilet right now. Uh, I spend so much time on Mormonish. I literally- <laughs> You have it there. Mormonish <laughs> too, too much information. Rebecca's toilet in lieu of a $10 donation. <laughs> Maybe, okay, any one of our viewers, if your last name is between A and G on Saturday, <laughs> morning it is your turn to come to my house and please clean oh. next week it'll be g through <laughs> all right all right so let's go to this one uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have uh carrie read this one if you wouldn't mind carrie okay thankfully there are several individuals who have set up foundations to defend the church one of the most prominent is the Interpreter Foundation, which is also a nonprofit. The Interpreter Foundation's total contributions for 2020 were $862,051, even higher than Mormon Stories. However, there is a significant difference. There are no salaries for anyone in the Interpreter Foundation, none. All proceeds go to defending critics' claims. Unlike Mormon Stories, it is completely voluntary. Also, unlike Mormon stories, it is in the truest sense a nonprofit. Note the compensation circle below and compare compensation to Mormon stories. Okay, well, this is quite the revelation here. Uh, yeah. The Interpreter Foundation, who nobody has heard of. <laughs> That's run by Daniel C. Peterson, the former head editor of the Farms Review of Farms, Books. Yep, he moved from Farms, uh, which went went uh I, I shouldn't say that term uh but they went uh he got fired he got yeah. fired they went tits up i was gonna say uh, are you trying to say he bought the farm he bought the farm <laughs> he lost the farm he lost uh, and moved in and started interpreter foundation which has various websites but somehow they make more money than john delin's 60 million views on youtube uh, and then they want to point out, and look how many board of director members they have that all make zero dollars. Um, again, this is completely dishonest because the Interpreter Foundation do, does not have full-time employees. They have contributors. And most of those contributors are BYU professors. A lot of them, I went to their website, and you can go to their website and look up their members. A lot of them are BYU professors who get a salary for writing these uh, things. So they are compensated for them. They're simply not compensated by the Interpreter Foundation. They write it, they're paid for by the church, and they submit it, and it's used on their, on their site. So that doesn't, it's not even a fair comparison. And second, they're comparing board, uh, 
you know, board directors here, and you can see how many of them there are. Open Stories also has board directors who don't make any money. Uh, mm -hmm. The person that makes the money is the person who full-time job is to produce the content. Right. These it's people spend two to eight hours a week, just like a church calling, doing this work. And that's why they're not caught. That's why they can afford not to be compensated for it. They're also, if you go to their website, lawyers, doctors, uh, business leaders. Uh, so somebody who is a, a therapist or uh, a working Joe who wants to have his voice heard, who can't afford to donate and, and set this up, uh, this kind of stuff up, can do so on a podcast. It takes a $50 microphone and a computer, and you can do a podcast and let your voice be heard. And there's no reason that everyone shouldn't be heard. It shouldn't matter what your, what your qualifications are. But uh, we're going to look at this interpreter foundation a little bit more uh, uh, later. Um, this is what the interpreter foundation consists of. They, they do have fair witness for the Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon Central, Book of Mormon Research, and the LDS Perspectives broadcast. But amazingly, we just heard them talk about all the things that the critic Mormon websites do and, and that. Um, and what were some of those things that they did? Let's see. They podcast. Podcasts. And oh yeah. Videos. They, they had videos. videos. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, articles. Yeah. Articles. No. Oh, foundation conferences. Oh, oh. events. They had events. Events. <laughs> wow. And and I think we need to point out the reason that we're delving into and trying to understand the Interpreter Foundation is because it is held up as the shining beacon of how something like this should be run, whereas Open Stories or Mormon Discussions is held up as, you know, well, the Antichrist. So this is the only reason we're delving into this organization, because they have brought it up over and over as an example of how things should be. Yet we're seeing here that it's very similar, the same kinds of things. Yeah. Yes, Carrie. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt your great trend of thought. Yeah, I was just trying to make sure that people understand that we didn't just randomly pick something. And I don't even mean go after. I mean, just explain because its own sure. website has held it up as something you know, that, that's good and true. So we want to understand so that and the reasons. To hold up the interpreter as the way things should be done is simply ridiculous because it is their own church who makes them feel guilty for making money on their own on religion while the church makes tens of billions of dollars quarterly. If these guys want to brag about working for free, that's wonderful. But I'm proud of the content I'm producing. And I don't mind asking for donations for it. I work my butt off doing a boatload of research, which is entirely enjoyable for me. Some books cost me $200. Some books cost me $2. But I have no shame in asking for a donation. This appears to me to be the Mormon psychology of shaming, and I don't buy it for a moment because there's no shame in producing a quality product. Don't we all pay for a quality product? Yes, we do. I will not hang my head and think, oh, 
Oh my gosh, I'm practicing priestcraft. I'm a sinner. I don't buy that noise because it's not. It is a business. If that offends you, Mormons, look at the church. It's the corporation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's a business. It's a nonprofit, tax-free, religious business. They have investment companies. They play the stock market. Is that a church? No, it's a business. It's a tax-free business. I will not be shamed by admitting, sure, if you wouldn't mind helping donate to the cause of me filling in all the stuff that they've left out so that you can get a more accurate context. If that blows your faith out of the water like it does mine, who's the one that whitewashed the history? Not me. Not Mormonish. Not our Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real and John DeLynn and Nemo. So I, I think this is entirely ridiculous. And I am not shamed, and I'm certainly not ashamed to say, I deliver a pretty good product, and I'm glad of it, and I'm not quitting. So that's just my two cents. That's a mic drop moment. And that's exactly what I think we were both trying to say, but you said it perfectly. That's absolutely right. Great content, compensation, and no one here in this community has ever cut anything out of a history, hid it in a vault, and scotch taped it back in. That is not how we operate. <laughs> I mean, that's a disrespect for historical sources. It is. Crying it is. That's yep. criminal. I agree. So anyway. Well, Carrie, I want you to read this one because you were a founding member of FAIR, which is another one that they point out as a, a stellar uh, a way that you should conduct uh, apologetics. Yeah. Another significant entity is Foundation for Apologetic Information and Research, FAIR, another nonprofit. Total 2020 revenue is 163247 Total executive compensation, zero. Once again, completely voluntary. He says that as if that's a good thing, you know, and completely nonprofit. Salaries are circled under compensation, zero, zero, zero. And he says that as if that's a good thing. I look at this now and I say, well, yeah, ding that's your problem, not ours. You deserve to be paid for all the work you're doing. I know how much work goes into FAIR. I helped found it, and I was involved with it for several years up front. I get it, but this is not bragging rights. This is not making you more religious and holy than any of the rest of us who are legitimately making a living. We are earning our bread by the sweat of our brow. I can quote the scripture to you and show it to you where that's legit if you want, but this is trying to shame us some more. I, I don't buy it. This is hokey. This is hokey. Gary, they, FAIR has, according to this, $163,000 in revenue in 2020. How do they get that revenue? Well, now I have heard and, and others have done some research. And if, if your audience wants the evidence, um, I would advise you go to Discuss Mormonism, the message board run by Dr. Shades. Um, they have researched into this, and FAIR is supplemented by a 
entity called the More Good Foundation. And I do believe Interpreter is also supplemented by the More Good Foundation. Now, Daniel Peterson said for decades that he never received a penny for being the main editor of the Farms Review of Books. Someone actually uncovered his tax returns from, I can't remember how it happened, but he made at least $20,000 a year. Now, granted, that's not making a living, but he was a professor of Arabic at BYU for decades. I happen to know they make six digits easy. Daniel Peterson flies all over the cotton-picking world every month. He's spending tens of thousands of dollars a month world traveling. I know the man is loaded with money, but for the blatant lie for the sake of a phony image of being holy because I'm not being paid for my defending the religion is pure hokum, and it is deceptive, because he was paid. If you work at BYU, you're paid. I don't know where this money goes to, but if it does go back, the 163000 if it does go back into equipment for fair, big screens so that they can show their slides and attract their, comp their people to what? Conferences, which what? Makes them more money. more money. Well, they don't take it. No, but they buy the computers. They buy the screens. They buy the computer technicians to program stuff. They buy, they rent, they have the money to rent the great big auditoriums so that hundreds can come and strengthen their testimony. They have handouts. They have a bookstore that they sell books for money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these guys may be claiming zero as if that's a holy thing, but they are in it for the money. I know we scrambled for years up front just begging for it. We were all back then genuinely volunteers. Our first fair conference 1999 was held in California. I drove my own car on my own gas with my own research to help found and present at that first fair conference, at the second fair conference, at the third fair, the second fair conference, we grew a brain and decided to have it in Utah so that it was a much shorter trip for most of us. And then since then, they found a permanent place in Utah. But I know money's an issue. Is that something to be ashamed of? I, I don't see where this comes from, except for the LDS leadership shaming psychology. And I don't buy it anymore. So this is not a noble thing, this gentleman. What they're showing us, and I apologize if this is offensive, this is foolish. This is just silly. There's no way I would do that. Bill Real insisted to me <laughs> when I started. I told him, I don't care about the money. I just love doing it. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. He said, we'll, we'll be happy to pay you. But it is based on a purview thing and all that jazz. You know, if anybody wants to trade me salaries, I promise I am so underpaid, which is irrelevant. But I don't take zero and I'm not going to hang my head in shame 
for being paid. It's all good. That's my take. It's more good. More it's good. More good. <laughs> That's right. It's more good. Maybe I better write to them and ask them for some help. I think you should. And I think After we should. Well, there must be that. opposition in all things. So I'm. Oh, we learned that from Kyle McCain. That's right. The scripture. Well, and, and we're just trying to say it's all right. Make money. Everyone can make money. There is nothing yeah. wrong with no. running a successful business and putting out great content for your audience. It may not be everyone's audience, but that doesn't mean the other audience can say you shouldn't be able to put out content. It's yeah, fine. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, I'm going to ask you to read the summary. This is okay. uh, quite uh, upsetting. But after this, we're, we're going to have some fun. We're, we're going to pull up interpreters 990 form, and we're going to put the same scrutiny on it that yeah. they put on uh, Mormon stories, knowing here that Interpreter Foundation is the gold standard for uh, 990s. So because yep, we know a guy who can and, and give us tax returns. Right. This summary is the summary. It's all public from, domain. This summary is from the website. Not this isn't yep. our summary. This is their mm -hmm. summary. No, nope, we've gone through the whole website here. So this is their summary. And the first line is the one that I had to highlight. And then I scratched it out. And then I reprinted it. And then I scratched. I just could not stand it because it reminds me, can you please just Talk about the moat in your eye and not looking at the beam in someone else's. I mean, this is just. Uh, you got that says, backwards. Yeah, did I get it backwards? Yeah, yeah I, I probably did. Is it the, what's good. bigger, a beam or a moat? I thought a about beam. this earlier when I was going to say a it. Beam. You have a, a beam is bigger. So yes. you have a moat in your eye and you're not seeing the beam. Okay, got it, got it. No, you, you're you looking a at a moat. in your own eye. <laughs> And the point is, you can't see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I've heard that when you step away from the church, you kind of forget the scriptural references. I think it's happening to me. So. <laughs> well, me, I'm I'm studying the Greek stuff now, so I'm not forgetting that I'm increasing it. So you're yeah. increasing. Yeah, I'm increasing a lot of things, but some of those other little things, I'm like, yeah, be moat. Who knows? Anyway, maybe we'll cut that part out. Although it is kind of fun. Okay, no, no, I'm gonna read the. Uh, I'm gonna read the summary. Okay, um, it would be unethical for a doctor to infect you with a disease simply so he could treat you and collect a fee. Ooh. Sounds familiar. Uh, but LDS critics are infecting members with misinformation via videos and other content and then, quote, helping, close quote, them by sending them to other videos, which they get paid for, or charging $200 an hour for coaching sessions to help. Every time they say the word help, they put it in quotes um, or soliciting for money so they can even make more videos and more money or getting them to attend a conference and pay more money. The numbers make it clear that these critics have are causing trauma so they can heroically solve it. A complete and obvious conflict of interest, and that is um, bolded by the site. Um, is there any truth to all their claims? And here's kind of a Kyle McKay line. Some of their claims originate in truth. Our early church leaders were human, just like you and just like me. Mm. Uh, but when their human frailties are reported uh, by LDS critics, they sensationalize them by adding poor assumptions and sometimes outright lies. Yeah, she really was only a few months earlier than 15 yeah. years old. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Read your original sources, everyone. No need to sensationalize. None whatsoever. Um, as this page has clearly demonstrated, LDS critics have every motivation to say anything they can to get you to doubt your testimony, but literally everything they say needs to be examined with a skeptical eye. Neil A. Maxwell said, studying the church through the eyes of its defectors is like interviewing Judas to understand Jesus. Critics are people too, and they are children of God. As were the money changers in the temple during Jesus's time, but um bump whoa okay um it, yeah. it's time though uh that like jesus we drive our modern day money changers critics in case people aren't understanding this metaphor out of our hearts and our minds and place our focus squarely on jesus christ he is after all the master healer. And then there's a big button. It's not on here that says, how do I research the critics claims more thoroughly? And the button takes you to information about the Book of Mormon. Full circle. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. I know. <laughs> That's Toyed silly. <laughs> now let 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 let's have a little bit of fun here. Um, I've been having fun since we started. I've been having fun. Oh well, good. I don't know if our viewers are having any fun, but we're having. Well, they fun. are. Well, they I are. decided. So. I I was able to go and look through help from one of our friends, uh, who's a financial professor. He helped me find where you can find these nine ninety forms on the IRS website. Uh, so I was able to find the interpreter organization, uh, which which according to this website is the gold standard. And so we'll go ahead and we'll compare uh, the, what we'll put in under the same scrutiny that uh, he just put under Mormon stories and we'll see if it survives the scrutiny and if it's a fair evaluation. Uh, so the, the 2019 was the newest one I could find on, on these uh, on interpreter website. Uh, so the first thing that I noticed as I looked at it was you could see what their current year, and in 2019, they made more than they made in 2020. They brought in $1.1 million in contributions and grants. Not bad. Yeah, Daniel C. Peterson was working on his film, The Witnesses, yeah. his Witnesses film, and so he was getting quite a bit of contribution. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's look at the prior year. The prior year, they made 359000 so see, you want to make money, start offering to make films because that's a huge increase. Evidently, that was that was uh what's that a 300 percent increase? So Mormon stories we heard it was a whopping 22.9 percent. <laughs> Interpreter Foundation is 300 percent increase in one year, not 22. That's bigger than whopping. Yeah, that's a whopping number, but but look at look at the numbers prior to that if we go down um if we go down we can actually see uh down here on page 16 we can see what their how much money they made over the years uh, oops i went past it here we see it in 2015 they made 214,000 2016 157,000 2017, 134,000. They're actually going down in the same years that Mormon Stories is going up. 359, all of a sudden, 1.1 million. Wow. 
Wow. Talk about a jump. I don't know how you make that kind of a jump in one year. And then the funny part is their expenses went up just about at the same rate as we can see that their expenses in that same year was was over a million dollars. So somehow they produced something that cost him a million dollars. And maybe you're right, Carrie, maybe it's a movie. It's maybe they- uh, Yeah, it, it, was his wit it, was his, it was his witness filming. Yeah, he had to pay the, the directors. And uh, there's people on Shade's message board- who Wait, wait, wait a minute, the, the director yeah. got paid? He had to pay people that were working and helping him create content? But isn't that's unconscionable. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> well, well, everyone should have volunteered. Everyone. Wait a minute. It, if if that's true, we should be able to see that in the in the tax form, right? That's sure. right. Because you have to list what Fort you paid out. You have yeah, to list who you paid and how they paid it. It's another schedule that you have to. Yeah. Fortunately, list on page out. ten, we get to say what our expenses are, and here's the list of our expenses. Um, grants, zero, grants, zero, grants, benefits paid to or for members, nothing. Compensation of current officers, directors, trustees, and keep, nope, nothing there. Compensation not included above, nope, not there. Other salaries and wages, no, they, they didn't wait, pay any salaries. Wait, 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 wait. This is interpreter, right? This is interpreter. Pension plan. They're basically plan. The year not they telling anyone what they votes. paid. Yeah, oh, but oh, they're, oh, here they're it not, is. Oh, here it there is. It is. Sorry, sorry. Other fees for services, non-employee services. Other, one point one million dollars almost. Other in other, which we don't know what it is. I've never seen uh, anything more transparent than that. You don't a get million more dollars on a line that says other was an expense under other. Boy, they've taken a lesson be. from the church with this SEC scandal, it haven't they? <laughs> Absolutely. There should be another schedule, though, Landon. There should be another schedule that they have submitted to the IRS detailing what they paid. Oh, doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, you're right. It says here if line 11G, which is this line here, other, they should it, list it out there. Exceeds 10% of line 25, column A amount, which it does because list they listed their entire donation there on schedule O. Okay, okay. Uh, there's. There's 25. It's a million. So that's clearly over that's clearly over 25. Right. And it's their entire grant and donation. So basically so, what we're saying is that because they listed it as other and it's more than 10% of their overall gross donation, they need to itemize it out, what they oh, spent it on on right, another on schedule. schedule o, which it should be right there on schedule. O. So now here? we'll get the answer. No documents available to the public. Oh. Oh. <laughs> How do they get away with this? How convenient. <laughs> Where did they are the, IR, are the IRS agents Mormons too? I, seeing it, this? it seems to be the same tax accountants everywhere. I don't know who's how they're getting they away with this. McConkey, didn't they? But they're supposed to list on Schedule O, break out what those expenses are, and yet oh, they don't man, make those I'll tell available you, to I'll the I'll tell you what, this is gold. I'm going to run over to Shade's message board when this video comes out, and I'm going to tell Dr. Scratch, hey, check out what Landon Brophy found, man. I can't believe this. So Dan Peterson is also not listing where the money went, except in other. Okay, Dr. Peterson. Well, I'm a couple of those gonna, expenses, you I'm know. I'm not going to try to falsely accuse you. No. 
But you where the I hell think, did the million dollars go? I think it's a clerical error, a simple clerical error. That's the IRS won't let him get away with stuff like that. But they have they had ninety three thousand dollars in fundraising expenses to come up with the million dollars. So right. somebody was doing something for ninety three thousand dollars to raise this million dollars. Uh, so I don't know who it was. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm just saying no. that's what they're reporting. Uh, right. And again, we're just looking at this because this was held up through this entire article as the gold standard of how we should all behave when it comes to disclosing our financials, how we should act. And we would invite any of our viewers to look this up. You can probably find it on the IRS.gov site and do your own looking into it because, you know, we're not trained professionals. We may be missing something that's really obvious. And in which case we're being really facetious and snarky. We're trying not yeah, to be, but we thought it was very missing. unusual. Yeah. We'd love anybody else's input um, hey, on please, this please if there's any mormons of you mormons who are watching this i i say this in all heartfelt sincerity i'm truly amazed that the interpreter foundation could bill real in mormon discussion inc could never do this you guys so please, if you know Dan Peterson and you can get the information on how does this work exactly and then share it with me or share it through Mormonish, I would greatly appreciate it because I'm going to be as charitable as I know how here because I am trying to build bridges and have a clever dialogue. But I smell a rat. Something is grossly wrong here, you guys. If you guys as Mormons can't see this, well, your life's going to be real rough. I, I would like to point out that the uh, cash that they declared uh -huh. uh, at the beginning of, of the year 2019, they had $528,000 in cash. Okay. Now, if uh -huh. you remember those years, they had $200,000, $100,000. That's almost three years worth of contributions that they had in cash yes. so they're clearly not using it they're building a rainy day fund maybe for when the lord comes back and the critics are still criticizing jesus after they've been burned up they've got that that yeah. rainy day fund that is a good point they're still soliciting <laughs> donations although they do seem to have a surplus of donations yeah so, by the end of again, the year they were day they had $621,000 in cash at the end of, so it doesn't appear that they need all your donations because they've got $600,000 in cash, which is more than John DeLynn revenued the entire year of 2020. The entire time. They have that in cash. I'm here to tell well, you, in all honesty, that is $600,000 more than I've had after a year and a half of working, <laughs> making podcasts. That's right. And as you said, Landon, they don't need it but the donors need the blessings that they get from giving the donation. I'm sorry. I'm being so facetious. It is just, it's, it's confusing to me and I'd love to know more about it. You know, I just like to present I, it. As, I would truly love to see this clarified because. Yeah. This, clarified. This, That's this what I'm just, saying. This just doesn't make sense. I, I'm sincere. This doesn't. Yep. Bill Real could never get away with this. You guys. John mm -mm. DeLynn yep. cannot get away with this. I don't see how the interpreter foundation can. Well, if they, this is the model to follow. 
They, they did a Salt Lake Tribune article on John DeLynn when he made $500,000. Are they doing Where's a, the Tribune article a, on? an article on when they make a million dollars? And you, you could be right. This could be the movie year. And it, it, it could be rolling the movie donations into this organization. Mm -hmm. But that it should have been listed. But yeah, should they should have told under. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, he I'm not claiming anyone's doing anything wrong. I'm simply, oh, oh. I pulled up. Our friend no, helped us pull up the IRS tax returns just like they did so we could look at them. And this is what I found. So yeah. not accusing anyone of anything, not no. saying anyone did anything. Illegal. I'm confused. Simply saying curious. that these numbers have way more questions to me than John DeLynn's podcast, where we knew exactly where it was going, that it was going to yep. the content creator to create more content. Yep. And, and, and yet we don't see here where this money's going. And, yeah, that, and as a member of the Mormon Discussion, Inc., <laughs> I, I'm sincere. I'm adamant. We have to publicly post our information like this yes. on the site. You think these guys are telling you the truth in the comparison. You come on over to Mormon Discussion, Inc., and you look at how Bill Rill's doing it. Yeah. Well, we, and Open we, Stories we puts out. Open story three it hour videos work. about their financial. Detailed expenditures. You come on mm -hmm. over and look. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's on the no, website we'll too. Right it's everywhere. Yeah. Very transparent. Yeah. So very, very fascinating discovery, you guys. This is it's, incredible. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's it 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 just as we read that article, it just hurt because we know so many of the great people who do this content. Yep. We rub arms with them. We talk to them. You know, daily basis. Some of them, and it's <laughs> just we know the kind of people they are. We know their motivation. And it's yeah. nothing what this what was described in this article. And they are not greedy, motivated by money people. Mm -hmm. They yes, they need money to, to produce this kind of content. And there's very few who make a living uh, with this. Uh, you could probably count them on one hand, the uh, post Mormons that can actually make literally, a living doing this uh, full time. Yeah, they're great people. And they really are concerned about the people who have no community. They've, they have been estranged from their family, not because of their choice, but because, you know, because they've left the church and the family has said, oh, we can't, can't have anything to do with you or our marriage is over or what have you. Uh, people are hurt. And when you go to these things, you see people are hurting and it is not the podcasters. It is not the thought leaders that are causing the pain. It's like you said, they were lied to. They're finding out the narrative that they were taught their entire life that they live by has been torn out from under them and they need a place to go. And these podcasts and the post-Mormon community provide that. May, may I, I, I'm not yes. trying to interrupt you. Summary statement, Carrie, it's all you. Here we go. Oh, oh well, I don't want to make the closing statement, but let, <laughs> let me reassure you of another thing that these this website has not been honest in disclosing. I, I, I hate using that language, but folks, this information is on the Joseph Smith papers. It is the church who are finally coming out into the open, finally presenting the history they've been changing and hiding. And this is why both Rebecca and Landon, along with myself, we are doing this series of, of podcasts on the essays, the church essays, because those were produced 
because the church recognized people are leaving because they're saying we are being deceptive and dishonest. Well, we have to open up and be more honest. That's what brought out the church essays. That's what's brought out the Joseph Smith papers. This information that they say we are lying about, the members are discovering it on the Joseph Smith papers. The church sponsored. It's sponsored by the First Presidency. It's accepted by the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We're not the ones producing the content. We're the ones taking the finally the contextual truth the church is finally coming out with. And then we're saying, but how does that compare with what Joseph Smith said? And compared to what you said Joseph Smith said, and that I went on a mission for you and testified to your truthfulness, and I baptized people into this church, and I did it on your whitewashed history. Now you're telling me that the information I received a testimony of from the Holy Ghost was deceptive? How will the Holy Ghost testify to me it was deceptive? Can you not see where the betrayal is arriving from. It's not us. I will say it one more time for the record. If you want to shut me down, I will cease all activity in video production and podcasts. The way to do it is tell the truth. But I mean the whole truth. Not, not the whitewashed version, not the slick presentations, etc. Here's the other side of the coin. I don't believe I'm going to be exaggerating. If you think I am, please do share it with me because I want to be correct here too. I can't find one Mormon podcaster or website that's giving us the full contextual truth yet. What do you think makes me produce so much content? Why do you think Rebecca and Landon have now jumped onto this? Because, and I'm not trying to speak for you two, they're not finding any Mormon sites that have the truth yet either. And this is based on what the church has started to come out with since 2015, when John DeLynn started to grow. And guess what? That was the year he was excommunicated. You're blaming us? Come on, even that's not truthful. So that's my closing statement. There it is. Very well said. No, that, that's exactly right. And and I think, like you said, if you're looking for truth, there are such access to original sources now. Please go at those original sources and then find yourself some podcasters that you think are treating those original sources fairly and getting the information out. I mean, it's on all of us to look for truth where we can find it. And I would also say to echo kind of what Landon said with our associations, um, with all these wonderful podcasters and wonderful people who do care about the people um, that listen and their viewers and their listeners. And in many cases, these podcasters are lifelines and lifesavers, literally. There are stories, lifelines and lifesavers. And everyone is just trying to do the best they can. So I hope everybody can take this episode of Mormonish in the spirit that it was meant. And I encourage everybody to go look at the website. What's the name of it again, Landon? Finding 
<laughs> now I forgot the name of the LDS, answering LDS critics. Answering LDS critics. It's a brand new site, and I'm sure there'll be other information on it. So, like I said, go straight at truth. Look at the website itself. Leave us comments. What do you think about the content there? What do you think about what we said about the con content? Um, also, Carrie brought up, we are doing on the Backyard Professor, Mormonish, Landon and I with Carrie, um, a series on the gospel topic essays. Now, we've already done two installments of this that can be found on Carrie's website and on YouTube. Um, we've talked about the history of the gospel topic essays. And then we just um, last Thursday did an episode on the first gospel topic essay, which is Are Mormons Christian? And these are absolutely fascinating to go through. We put a lot of time and research into it and it's really um, informational and entertaining to watch live. Carrie's audience and his live chat is the craziest I've ever been a part of before. So our next one is coming out this Sunday. That'll be the 14th at 6 p.m. And because it's Mother's Day, we are going to kind of go out of order a little bit and we're going to tackle the uh, Mother in Heaven essay. And boy, <laughs> there is some stuff in there. We are where our minds are being blown as we are researching this. So please, everybody tune into that. So um, don't forget to like, like, and subscribe Mormonish. We would tell you to donate, but we don't have a donate button. So just think good thoughts, our direction, and you can hit the uh, notification bell so you can be made aware when new episodes come out. And as I said, again, please comment. We absolutely do uh, read the comments. We pay attention. Um, we want to know what you guys agree with, what you don't agree with. Um, we want feedback because we're here for you uh, trying to produce things that we think you're interested in and that will do you, you know, give you some benefit in your life. And that's what we're all about. So that being said, everybody, thank you, Carrie. Carrie, you are wonderful. It was amazing that you came on. Thank you, Landon, for all of your incredible research into this. And we will say goodbye for now from Mormonish. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.